Seven minutes after 10 a.m. this morning. Welcome back to uh, The Talking Point. This is the Wednesday edition of The Talking Point. My name is Oliver Dixon, standing in for Kathy Mutlachana uh, this morning here on The Talking Point. Now, I, like I said to you, I want to focus on zooming in on the ANC elective conferences in the regions and the provinces where it has taken place. And what patterns are emerging? What, what are we learning about the ANC right now? Is it the same old, same old ANC? Or is there a genuine attempt at renewal? Is there a, gem, a genuine attempt um, at reinvigorating the party? Or are the old guard just, you know, consolidating their power right now and solidifying themselves and entrenching themselves deeper into the crevices of the party? That that We must ask that question now. December is not very far. It's what, six months from now? We must ask that question now because I think three more provinces need to have their um, three, four more provinces need to have their elective conferences, and then the national conference will take place. Um, in all likelihood, it seems Cyril Ramaphosa is going to get re-elected. But what does that mean for the party? Um, and will it be a re-election uh, with the same slim margins as the last one, or will it be a re-election where he has greater control, so to speak? over the NWC, the NEC, um, and the top six, top five, really, if you think about it right now. And joining me to have this conversation is Lukanyo Vanga, who's a political analyst, joining us uh, all the way from Cape Town on Zoom, and Ribone Tao, who's a research fellow at the Institute for Pan-African Thought and Conversation out at the University of Johannesburg, also a political commentator analyst, as well as an author. Ribone, I'm going to start with you uh, this morning. Um, just just uh, get, uh, get the mic close to you. I'm going to start with you this morning. Is is the ANC renewing itself? So from from what has emerged in the elective conferences thus far. Uh, good evening, good morning, Oliver, and good morning to the listeners. Uh, I think when you look at the ANC processes uh, at this present moment, you can see that the renewal of the ANC is just a slogan, you know. And why I say this, um, the outcomes of the Mpumalanga conference where um, CB was elected, you know, um, as the treasurer of the ANC, you yeah. go to Etewini, you know, with uh, Kumete being elected as the chair of the ANC in that region. And now the ANC was found wanting, you know, because of uh, the, the pressure that was coming from society that uh, how is it that when you're seeing a renewing, when people have stepped aside, but they can still participate in ANC processes. And that's why the National Executive Committee had to then go and see and then say, okay, moving forward, uh, everyone who's charged uh, should not be available for any position. And we saw recently over the past weekend in Limpopo, Denim Caesar did not contest that conference because he's being charged. So that really affected Denim Caesar. But I can say that, for an example, if you have been following Limpopo um, regional conferences, you'll know that Denim Caesar actually is the biggest winner in that conference, although he was not uh, one of the candidates. But uh, behind the scenes... Yeah, we'll get into that detail just now, actually, and, and we'll speak about uh, what... what, what in Limpopo in the various um, in the various regions and ultimately what came out in the province. Um, Lucano, is, 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 is the ANC changing? Is it renewing itself? Or is it really just the old guard? Morning, Oliver. Thank you for inviting me to share my perspective, man. And good morning to um, your listeners. We've seen no indication that the ANC is renewing itself. Looking at the patterns of elective conferences, um, we've seen those that are entrenching their powers do so. We've seen um, Cyril's affection being able to flip, you know, some of the provinces and regions that he didn't win in 2017, leading to that Nazareth conference. We've seen um, the faction opposed to him, so-called RET, also being able to flip some regions. 
that they were not able to win uh, leading up to the Nasra conference. So it really, it, 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 it remains just this, uh, you know, battle of belligerence between the two factions with Cyril showing a clear lead at the moment, um, you know, not taking into account what Arthur Fraser has just thrown at him. Uh, outside of that analysis, Cyril seems to, you know, be taking control. Um, as does any president going to a second elective conference. Mm-hmm. Um, they always get re-elected, so they always strengthen their position. We saw it with Jacob Zuma leading to Manga Wung. Uh, but indications that the ANC is changing its spots, we haven't seen any. We see the same corruption scandals being lobbied now that were there in 2017. Um, you know, presidents accused of storing millions of cash in his uh, bed, you know, under his, his mattress and in his ceilings and in his sofas, all those things. So it's the same old ANC that we see. Yeah. Uh, you know, many people obviously then say, well, you know, it's 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 quite obvious that in the ANC that uh, incumbent will have a second term. Um, and, you know, oftentimes that happens uncontested, right? Jacob Zuma was contested up until that very last moment in Mangahong. If you think about uh, what happened there in Pulukwane, it, uh, it was a similar situation. Um, because the the other the Tabumbeki faction really was incredibly weakened, um, you know. At some point, Tabumbeki got his second term uncontested. Really, both terms for Tabumbeki were uncontested. Um, but Cyril is being contested. It's just not sure by who exactly is it. Paul is it Didi Mabuza? Uh, is it Ace? What's going on, Ribone, on the other side? Who's who's the opposing faction? Um, I think one must start by saying that at this present moment, when you look at the RT itself, you know, it's very, it's not yet united as it, or strong as it used to be. Does it still know? exist? It does still exist. It does still exist. Um, but they have not actually come together and actually agreed on a name on who must actually be the face of the RT um, post the Nazareth. Um, Isn't it uh, a bit too late now? It's not too late. Um, there's a lot of work I can tell you happening on the ground. Uh, the RT is, is consolidating, but um, what, we, what, what we're going to see uh, for me, which will be interesting going to this conference, is that most candidates are working their provinces. And if you look at even KZN, um, Zolim Kiza is making inroads in that, in, the, in, that, in that province. And going back to uh, Nazarek, I mean, if you remember, Zolim Kiza even got the highest votes um, as an additional member. And he's really making inroads in, in KZN. And we saw yesterday uh, regional leadership uh, of different regions in KwaZulu-Natal went to Nkandla to visit President, uh, former President Zuma. That says a lot, and that's a strong message um, to the sitting president of the ANC going to this conference that indeed in KZN he's, 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 he doesn't have or enjoy mo- much support, you know, as what, people what, what, think. what we've learned from the last elective conference is that KZN doesn't determine the politics of the ANC as much as it used to anymore, right? If that were the case, Nkosazanat uh, Laminizuma would have would have won. But listen, um, if you look at KZN, one of the things is that they were the biggest loser. I agree with you at that conference because for the first time, they didn't have anyone in the officials of the ANC. Yeah. And secondly, Nkosazana, if Didi had not dropped her, on, at the door of the voting, <laughs> she at, would have at, been president. So Didi was actually the kingmaker at that conference. Yeah, you know, at with gate the, six of Nazareth. Yeah, you know, so that's the thing. That it's not like uh, really they lost. It's just that Didi betrayed them at the eleventh hour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Lucanio, no one trusts Didi at this moment. Uh, I don't think anyone can form a, a an alliance with him and think that he might not do the same to them at the very last minute. Where does that leave him in 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 the race? 
Oliver, you don't have to like DD. You don't have to trust DD. But I think all of the candidates know that they need DD because the ability to control 200 votes in your back pocket can uh, shape the direction of a conference, especially when uh, we can see that, you know, um, the divisions of the past remain entrenched. KZN still remains, you know, outside of the fold. They were unable to win uh, or, or even flip KZN as the CR uh, faction. And you look at um, the other faction as well. So DD can still remain the kingmaker because he has 200 votes in his back pocket that he can be able to give to any faction to make yeah. them, you know, uh, kings. So you don't have to like him. You don't have to trust him, but you need him. I want to ask you the same question. Do you think it's a bit too late for the RET to, to coalesce now? I believe it is. I've always had the, um, you know, impression that anyone that wishes to run a successful bid for the ANC presidency must announce their attention uh, six months after the close of the previous conference. If you go back, you know, in 2012, uh, 2013 by, you know, May, we're able to hear uh, murmurs and stories of NDZ going to contest 2017. So if you don't uh, contest, it, it takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of time to win the ANC presidency. So if you want to do it at the last minute, you'll be unsuccessful. Uh, look at what Khalima did. He announced his candidacy at the last minute and he was troubled <laughs> yeah. by 75% in Mangawung. So yeah. you need to announce very early and you need to start working very early. Let's talk about who some of the potential um, you know, opposing factions may be led by. Um, Zuelim Kizer's one name, um, Ace can't contest, it seems. So he's not an option. Um, Paul Mashatile could either fold himself into the Cyril faction, swing over to the DD faction, or himself be uh, a leader of a faction. Didi Mabuza is an option. Is there anyone else? Is is is, is Sisulu a viable uh, option at this stage, uh, Ruban? I always ask people, I don't even know where is Linda's Sisulu's branch or which province, you know, because this conference, I can tell you, is going to be about provinces. And um, she's been trying, like, in Northern Cape to go there. That's where she launched her campaign in the Northern Cape. But her membership is not in the Northern Cape. I don't know if it's in Gauteng. I don't know if it's in Western Cape. So it will actually, <laughs> so I don't see it as a factor, you know. I think it's the same repeat of 2017 that we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Lucano, is there a name we're missing? Uh, no, not really. But I don't think we're focusing on the most interesting aspects of the you know contestation going to December, and that is the one of the deputy president. Cyril is almost guaranteed to get a second term, depending on what happens, you know, um, with the other Fraser situation. But is almost guaranteed to get a second term, as has every other president. Can he do it without Didi Mabuza? Because he needed Didi Mabuza to do it the last time. Can he do it this time around without Didi Mabuza? Because if your answer is yes, then it means that the, the deputy president position is up for grabs. If your answer is no, he can't, then it means that it's not up for grabs. I'm not certain. Look, Oliver, he's working on a golden path to the second presidency if Didi is there and he includes him. If he doesn't include him and, you know, locks him out in the cold, then he has a fight on his hands. Because Didi can go consolidate with any other person that wishes to challenge him. And that complicates things very much for Cyril. I've seen them, you know, tout the name of Ronald Lamola. Uh, they've spoken about Metandi Modise as possible deputy president, president yeah, candidate. Yeah, yeah. Should they do that, that would be a very big mistake on their part. And they would complicate their lives as the CR faction.
Yeah, it's interesting that you that you bring Tandi Mudise in because, and it's interesting, Ribone, that you say Linde Bezosulu is not a viable candidate at all um, for any position, really, because it brings to the question that uh, uh, you know a pattern that I've seen with a lot of the regional conferences and the uh, um, you know the the provincial conferences that have happened is that women don't seem to be breaking through in these in these uh, provincial and regional leaderships if they do it is deputy secretary general it is uh, perhaps treasurer. treasurer it's it's never a chairperson um or or, or, or a, a position of that level of influence is 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 one it indicates an anc that is much like itself right it's it's not unusual in the anc that that's the case the women's league kind of doesn't exist anymore technically but what does that leave what does that mean for women in the top 6 going into into uh 2020 well 2022 december because right now what the only woman in the top 6 5 is um Jesse Duarte mm. I mean um Nazrek actually um, was a big blow for women because you remember before Nazrek you had Balek Ambete yeah as the national chair you had Jesse as the DSG and after that conference, one woman only emerged, you know. And if you look at the slates, because if you remember, even um, within the slates, in the Ramaphosa slate, you had uh, Lozi, the president of Kosatu. Yes, she was contesting deputy secretary, secretary general. general. Yeah. So literally, you just had two men contesting each other. One can say that Patrick is very rife in the ANC. You know, ANC might want to say they are a progressive organization, um, but they are not progressive when it comes to issues of women, you know. Um, I, you you don't have women you know as as, as chairpersons uh, at the end of the day but also the women the danger that they do in most cases they also when given the opportunity they surround themselves with men and that also weakens the, also their strength so they become a minister <laughs> and fill their office with men yeah, in their know. private office <laughs> so that, that's the other thing i mean i was giving an example to someone about um mpumalanga you had refilwe you know who's the premier who uh, was also at some point running for chairperson building up to that conference. And in uh, in, in, in the free state, you have Mantombele also the premier. Yeah. But how they've played their politics, they've weakened themselves because they've always run to all this, to this man, you know, but they could have actually changed the game of politics, you know, in terms of ANC processes. So they were their own, their own failures, this woman, I can tell you. Yeah. Look, Kanye, it's not just women, right? It's young people too. Ronald Lamula is, I guess, the bastion of hope for young people in the ANC. You say his candidacy as deputy president will be a bad idea. The youth league is not up. <laughs> five years into Ramaphosa's pres, almost five years into his presidency as ANC president. Do young people in the ANC have hope? Do women in the ANC have hope? Uh, look, Oliver, the ANC has request with regards to demographics um, as well and, and representation. Um, just to correct you, I don't think Lamola's uh, deputy presidency um, candidature is a bad idea. I think it's a bad idea for the CR faction. If ah, they okay. Yep. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. But I support, I support that, uh, you know, personally, um, that candidature because we must support young women when they raise their hands, uh, young men. And, and, and young women, when they raise their hands for leadership position, we need uh, the youth to come and take over from, you know, these old men that are, are leading us into the abyss. Um, but the ANC has regressed with regards to its demographics. There used to be a time, like in 2007, 
when a man is nominated for a particular position, but you can see that would affect the balance, you know, um, of demographics and the and, and damage representation, they would step they would step down. Uh, Tokyo Sekwale did so. He was he was nominated for chairperson uh, position in the Zuma slate, which had the numbers at that time, and he could have easily won and become chair of the ANC. But he stepped he stepped aside to use nomenclature and allowed Malekambete to go and fill that position so that there's gender representation within the top six of the ANC. But you don't see that happening anymore. People contest whether or not they're contesting against a, a woman or a young yeah. person that improves the demographics of the ANC. They don't care. They're just in it for themselves. And th- in that sense, the ANC has regressed back into a very patriarchal organization. But Tablet Lamini wanted to impose, uh, right after Nazrek, some form of, some form of a quota um, in, in, in top six and, and it, it provincial structures in 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 the NEC itself what happened to that conversation Ribone? because it it sort of just disappeared right it's it's sort of as though um women saw the need to consolidate and coalesce around a single woman candidate and they at some point the the women's league said <laughs> they're only going to support women for all six positions in the top six and clearly that's not happening what happened to that conversation I mean, the one thing about that conference, especially going to 2017, when the women pro- Women's League pronounced only six women for the top six, but their focus was more on Nkosazana Dlamini Zuma in terms of the campaign and the lobbying, you ah, know, and they okay. left the other candidates, you know. And I always say, had they also supported maybe Lindu Sisul for deputy president, yeah, you know, uh, we could have seen something different. Because she had just become a member of the Women's League <laughs> at the time as well, <laughs> yeah. right? You know, so that's the thing that normally it's about an individual. And I was speaking to someone over the weekend, um, looking at the ANC regional conference in Johannesburg, you know, where Eunice was contesting Dada, you know, um, for the chairman position. Yeah. And Eunice lost to Dada. But what was interesting, there was a WhatsApp that was circulating, you know, by one of the NEC members of the Women's League saying it's good Eunice did not win this conference. She's not one of our own, you know. What? And it was more like a tribal thing, you know. It was so funny. And I was shocked myself, you know, to hear a Women's League leader um, saying such, you know, chatting such, you know, um, uh, statements, you know. Yeah. Um, that is good. That that's that's an interesting it. dynamic because I thought it would have died, right? You did get some people who were not in favor of uh, Ramaphosa's presidency for tribal reasons, right? Uh, uh, you would remember, Lucano, a lot of people saying, you know, we cannot be led by a vendor or something like that. Is 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 tribal factional line still a thing in the ANC, Lucano? Is it part I'm of a, a, Is it part of the culture of the organization? I, I, I don't think that um, it, it is that much, Oliver. I think the ANC and, uh, you know, Mandela, Sisulu um, and all the other leaders dealt with the demon of tribalism. It, it's not really a factor besides the issue of factionalism um, in the ANC. Factionalism can, can come, you know, draped as anti-corruption. It can come draped as pro-radical economic transformation or even as tribalism. But however, at the core of it, it's really just, you know, sentiments of, of, of factionalism that yeah. have taken hold of the ANC. Uh, tribalism, not that much. I mean, the ANC, you look at its um, composition, there's, it really doesn't favor one tribe over the other. or You, you don't even see or get the, you, the impression that tribalism or tribal, right, you know, right. issues have been taken into consideration when electing that leadership. No, yeah. I don't think so. Let's, let's have a listen at what Lindy Vesusulu had to say about, uh, you know, women in the party and, and, and them not getting a chance and that men must step aside now. 
Perhaps when women run the country, we might have a little more sensitivity about those things that affect women. I think men have had their time, and thank you very much for the work that they have done. It is now time for women before we pass on to the younger generation, and that's what most of us stand for. A country plagued by gender-based violence and all sorts of ills where women bear the brunt of it, Ribone, uh, uh, Lindiwe has a point, does she not? I mean, when you um, look at um, a lot of issues, you know, women are very sensitive. She, she does have a point. And they, I know there are some men in the ANC who have actually even said that actually they would prefer women leading because women would be more understanding, you know, um, of, 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 of what is happening in the country more than men, you know. So there are also some voices from some men within the ANC. But obviously those are not like strong voices that yeah. can actually bring change within the ANC. Yeah. Give us a call, 011-714-2006. As a woman in the ANC, if you're a woman and you're an ANC member, do you feel represented by your political organization? As a South African woman, do you feel represented by the ANC as an organization? Give us a call, 011-714-2006. Send us a WhatsApp voice note on 0614-104-107 and let us know. I want to listen to one or two of your voice notes before we go uh, to the news headlines uh, as we continue the conversation. Uh, Morning, Oliver and your guest. I'm Hitiang and Rosebank in Cape Town. You know, Oliver, observing these um, conferences as the member of the ANC, you know, one get a sense that um, really um, the issues here is not um, electing people who will fast track um, service delivery and fight our enemies, which is unemployment and inequality and poverty. You see that, you know, um, the way people celebrate when their candidate won that actually here is um if so and so is in power uh, our contracts you know um are safe at um, a local government on level so really tender premiers and politicians are, are bad for our organization good morning <coughs> oliver it's tony from north Plate. Yeah, actually oliver you know what with uh, this anc uh, reshuffling and stuff Truly speaking, the elective conference is in December. And you know what? With all these liberation parties, they will always recycle the old card and keep the status quo as it is. Like right now in the ANC, in the ANC right now, there are two factions. And at the end of the day, Ramaphosa is aligning with the Congress that he favors. He's going to put them in influential positions so that they maintain the status quo. With the liberation parties, the formula is one. It will never change. They will always maintain the same status quo of liberation parties until Jesus comes. As a woman, do you feel represented by the ANC? 011-714-2006, give us that call. Let's take your news headlines with Luanda Maume. Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. And we continue the conversation here on The Talking Point. My name is Oliver Dixon, standing in for Kathy Mutlatlana. Uh, we're taking stock of the ANC's elective conferences in the regions and provinces where they have happened. And we will, at some point, take a look at the ones that are to come and what is likely to emerge there. What does that mean for the politics of the ANC? And how does that translate into the politics of the country? That's the conversation we're having. You can participate in the conversation by giving us a call, 011-714-2006. Lukanyo Vanga, one of my guests, uh, is joining us from Cape Town, as well as Ribone Tau, who is in studio with me. Lukanyo, now's a good time to ask, 
Has the step aside rule worked? I'm asking that because we cannot ignore the impact it has had on the electoral outcomes of the various regional conferences and uh, provincial conferences. The only question is, has it yielded the results the ANC thought it would or has it really just played well into the hands of one or the other faction? I would say uh, yes and no. Um, and, and remember the intention of the step aside rule um, as propagated in Nasrek was to protect the moral integrity of the ANC and you know the brand of the ANC. And the intention there was to ensure that people who have allegations against them and you know charges against them don't sully the reputation of the ANC and take the ANC down with them. They must be able to extricate themselves from the ANC so that they can go handle whatever you know accusations have been leveled against them and the ANC can be able to continue uh, without a cloud hanging over its head. However, mm. we've seen the way that it's been implemented that even people that still have serious accusations and clouds against, um, hanging over their heads are still able to participate in the ANC. People who have had findings against them by the Integrity Commission of the ANC are still operating within you know, the NEC of the ANC and they've not been asked to step aside. The Deputy uh, Minister of Finance is one of those people who have findings against them from the Integrity Commission, but their matter has not been, you know, um, finalized to, to an extent that they must, you know, step aside and protect the ANC um, and the moral integrity of the ANC. So in that instance, no, it hasn't worked. In the instance that it has shown some idea that the ANC is a bit serious uh, more than, uh, uh, you know, during a particular era on the issue of corruption. Yes, it's worked in that instance. However, the way also that it's been implemented has raised questions that it has become a factional tool um, that is wielded by the dominant faction in the NEC to get rid of their opponents and ensure that they don't contest you know, um, against them in particular elective conferences. So the ANC has shown some, uh, taken some steps to show they're serious about corruption. However, they've also factionalized this particular tool as they always do with anything else, ANC being a factional organization. Ribone, as, the, as it worked, the step aside rule. And, 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 and I'm asking because if the NPA wakes up tomorrow and say, hey, the Hawks gave us a very strong docket here, <laughs> there's credible evidence against the president, we are officially going to charge and prosecute the president. Cyril has no choice but to step aside, right? We will then truly know if that step aside rule is a real rule or if it was just used for political expedience for one factions. But from how it's manifested up until now, and listening to what Lucania just said, do you do you think the step aside rule has worked in restoring the integrity of the organization? I don't think so. And why I say that? Because I said the problem, the biggest problem with the ANC, they are more of a, a, a reactive organization, not proactive when it deals with its issues. It's because how is it that, especially with Rule twenty five point seventy of the ANC Constitution, where it says once you are charged your membership is temporarily suspended. That means you can't take part in any party activities. A conference of the ANC is a party activity. Yeah. But Mandlam Sibu was nominated. Yeah. Zanilo Gumede was nominated. And the same NEC members who, for example, were in Pumalanga, I still ask myself, how did they allow Mandlam Sibu um, to be elected? And we know that... He By was the way, what does that mean? Does it mean that you you can be nominated in absentia even when your membership is suspended? 
until now recently when the public you know that's what i'm saying this is more of an a reactive organization right, right, because right. the public were like if you're saying you're talking about renewal why are you still sub, uh, electing mandlam sibi with uh, the, the charges that he's facing why you uh, electing zandile gumete and then the nc comes back and says no 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 okay now moving forward anyone who's uh, been charged will not be able to 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 to, to uh, contest any conference and that's why i made an example of denim sisa in limpopo who this then new ruled by the nc so the nc it changes with the mood of the country they're not able to do an analysis from also a legal point of view what are the implications mm. that's that's quite interesting let's take your calls 011 714 2006 uh tandy in bloemfontein good morning morning how are you i'm fantastic go ahead ah you know what? i think the fact remains um a lot has happened in the anc like you've been said in your show at the moment mostly the fact that It is clear that as a president, you are not necessarily protected from being prosecuted, mm. as it was initially thought it would be. Uh, what has happened to Juma has clearly showed us that we can take the legal route against an ex-president president. And the other thing that you mentioned, or that is worrying really in the ANC, is the women representation. Um, those that are there. uh they but a lot of them you don't actually even feel their presence within the movement and that is something that needs to be looked at and for some in my understanding some of them are actually purging a lot of women from their position to the mm. government and this is becoming a problem where look um, at the end of the day as a woman i would love to see women being in charge but the manner that women deal with each other become problematic in our society. You know that's that's, that's actually an interesting comment a friend of mine just sent me a WhatsApp and she said to me uh that she 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 thinks Linda Wesolo is making valid points but anyone but her should should lead the ANC. And she's a woman right Tandy you're a woman. So who then and and under what terms? Um she you know what Look, the patriarchal manner in which things are done in South Africa is also a worrying factor. Yeah. I do not know because we've got only two we've got only two people it would be a man or a woman and if if man I don't know who it would it be. I mean because obviously 